So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And, uh, you know, we were invited as part of this, uh, this retreat that we're going to. They had their 25th anniversary tonight, and uh, we would never, ever miss Saturday night because we love it. We love being here. But it was really a little bit tempting because Francis Chan was talking tonight, and I, I'm a big fan of Francis Chan, so I was, you know, hoping that maybe they would change it for me, but <laughs> didn't didn't work out. But Francis has got this new deal where he's when he preaches, he's just reading scripture, which is pretty powerful, really, you know, just to sit and just read the word of God. And sometimes we mess it up. Uh, so I'm going to try not to interrupt this too much. I'm going to start out and we're going to start tonight and I'm going to just read chapter three. Okay. And then we're going to talk about a bunch of things tonight. I've got this handout for you that we can work through uh, as we go through the lesson. But let me just start by reading God's word, starting verse one. I've got Aaron's glasses. I've got all kinds of issues, so let's see if this works. They're a little bit more powerful than mine, so whenever I, I can't keep them on. There's no way. I'll be, I'll be dizzy for the nights I'm with, but I got to have them to read, so we're going to start here. All right, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now, You're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos' water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God. Amen? So, I don't know about you, but... If I were Paul, I'd be getting kind of frustrated right now about talking about division. 
right? I mean, it just seems like every week we're talking about division in the church, division in the church. There's a good reason for that, right? Because this whole book is about division in the church. You know, so I've got three questions I was going to have us answer just to kind of a little bit of a review because it seems like we've just talked about this over maybe the last few weeks. But what is it that is the division? Why is there division? What's the dividing line? To their following. If you go back to chapter one, remember it was, I was baptized by Paul. I was baptized by Apollos. It's who they're following and they're focused on the leader. Uh, what about the reason? What's the reason for the division? Sorry? Beliefs, yeah. Yeah, it's really that they don't understand. No, they don't understand God's ways. We talked about this last week, right? Uh, they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled with a whole bunch of junk. They're filled with the flesh, but they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, which is how you know and understand the depths of God, right? We talked about that last week. And, you know, while we keep kind of talking about it, I guess maybe because as applicable as it was then, as it probably is today, isn't it? I mean, because the picture he's giving of these Christians, again, in the first few verses here, is, okay, they're saved, all right? They, they, they may be going to heaven, okay, but you can't tell. There's nothing in their life uh, that shows that they're a believer. They are what some would refer to as carnal Christians, okay? You, they've got the Holy Spirit inside them because they've accepted Christ as their Savior, but they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, all right? And this, to me, this is such a huge burden to me. I, I, I think about this. I pray about this all the time. I was down there in service tonight praying about this, just thinking how many people there are out there, how many Christians there are out there that are, that are truly our believers. They've put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but they're just dead. You have no idea that they're a Christian. Sorry? Fire insurance. Well, let me tell you about that fire insurance, right? So it's a risky game. It's a risky game because the Bible's pretty clear that you will be known by your fruits. All right? And in that same chapter of Matthew chapter 7 where it talks about you'll be known by your fruits, it also talks about how there's going to be some folks that when they get to heaven, they're going to say, listen, God, I, I cast out demons in your name. I prophesize in your name. Okay? And he's going to say what? Depart from me. I never knew you. So... You know, I read a quote from a, a British theologian who said, you know, these, are, these carnal Christians are children of God. They, they, they're born again. Uh, they're going to get to heaven, but they're going third class. Well, I can tell you, I don't want to go third class. I don't want to just limp across the finish line, all right? I want to know that I know that I know that I know. But that's the problem here is that, that, that this group of believers, they're not filled with the Spirit. And it's also very interesting, isn't it, that, that remember, they don't, you know, this is an inspired by the Holy Spirit, inspired Word of God, right? But they don't have this. It's kind of interesting, right? They don't have this. There's not a collection. They probably have some of the books of the Old Testament, Right? But it's doubtful that they've got a collection of, of most of what we get to see, right? So how do they know? How do they know God? How do they understand? Right? Well, it's through teachings, but it's through the Holy Spirit. It's, it's God working in their life. Same way that it happens today, you know? So this is, it makes it even all the more difficult for them to really kind of understand and to, to, to build unity in the church because, you know, they're just not living by the Spirit. 
They're, they're living by the world, this worldly wisdom, okay? So another good question though, that'll really kind of maybe help us understand this problem is, you know, what could they do differently? What could they understand? All right, what is it that, that would help if they understood that would prevent this division? Okay, what could have prevented it? Just based on what you know, we've talked about it a few weeks. What do you think could have prevented this? Definitely. I mean, that's been a recurring theme, right? That, you know, you're focused on the world and not God. One very specific thing that would have been of great importance, right? If they could have understood that we're all ministers. They use the word servants. What did it say there in in verse uh, five? Uh, It said, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants uh, through whom you believe as the Lord assigned to each. They're servants that if you looked at the King James, that would say ministers because a minister is a servant. So one thing that would have really, 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 really been helpful in this church is for them to understand that we all in God's economy have an important job and task that matters. We're all ministers. We're all servants of God right? If you get any time if you're in a situation as they were here where you're putting someone on a pedestal, which is really what they're doing, right? They're saying, hey, my guy is Paul. My guy is Apollos. They're kind of elevating them because of maybe who they are. Let me just tell you, anytime you get to the point where somebody's being elevated or where you're elevating yourself, warning signs better go off. Warning signs better go off. Because let me tell you, there is nothing, nothing, nothing that God hates more than putting someone on a pedestal. All right, what, what have we talked about over and over in here? It's the blessed or poor in spirit, right? Humble. It's the humble that inherits the kingdom of God. Okay, you, you're up on that pedestal. is everything that God isn't. Okay, so the first thing that they could really understand, if they could get their head around, is that we're all ministers. Okay, we're all servants of God. Um, in fact, as I was, you know, going through and preparing for this lesson, Aaron mentioned that sometimes I have to travel. I literally had to fly to Los Angeles Wednesday to have lunch and fly back. Um, it was a very fun day. But the whole time I was on the plane, I was there uh, with my business partner and I was working on this lesson. The good news is I got four hours out there and four hours back. So I got eight hours and he only talked to me about half the time and I was trying to put my earplugs in and, you know, on the way back he said, uh, he looked at me and he said, you know, what are you doing? And I told him what I was doing. He's like, why in the world do you do that? You know, why are you working so hard at this? Why? Why? Well, I mean, what, what's your reasoning by here? And he said, and then he kind of stopped and looked at me. He said, well, do you want to be a minister? Is that, is that really what you want to do? And I started thinking, well, I am a minister. You're a minister. We're all ministers, right? That's what, so it just kind of played right into my lesson. I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Okay, you answered a prayer. Like I was trying to figure out what this lesson would be about and you just delivered it to me. Okay, we're all ministers. And in fact, in in this particular context, when we're talking about Paul, okay, Paul is much more like us than he is like Jarrett or Pastor Graham, right? Paul was a bivocational minister. If you look in Acts 18, verse 3, it says that, that Paul was a tent maker by trade. But then if you flipped over and you looked in uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, you would see that when he's talking about his ministry, when he's talking about his work for God, and he compares himself to the disciples, he says, listen, I outworked them all. 
right? So he worked hard at both. He was, he was a hard worker, a tent maker, and he was a full-time minister for God, which is really describes probably everybody in this room, right? I mean, all of us have jobs to do, responsibilities, but at the same time, God has called us to be a minister of God. So one of the things that Paul did here in this, in this chapter is in, in the course of really what he's tried to do for this entire chapter is he's tried to show them why it's so silly that they're placing these guys, Paul and Paulus, on a pedestal. He's trying to say, listen, this is crazy. Why are you doing this? And he's, he's kind of systematically went through why this is silly. And in the course of doing that, okay, in the course of doing that, he's really given us, you know, a good summary of what it means or what it takes to be a minister of God, to be a servant of God. Um, how uh, that we can basically know what this means, how we can live this out so that we don't have to get into this trap of thinking, you know, that's for the pastor to do or that's for somebody else to do and not think it's for us to do. Because we're all equal ministers of God. All, according to verse 5, all assigned a task right? All with something to do. So I wanted us to kind of go through a little, little bit of fun here. We, what I put together was kind of a job description, all right? What, what would be the job description of, of a minister of God, a servant of God? And you know I love to talk about, about serving. Uh, so when this text kind of came alive to me as, as being, as, you know, the job description, if you will, of a servant, of a minister, you know, I was just like fired up. Because to me, it's like, okay, I got another way to describe to people what it means to be a servant, what it means to serve God and to be a minister of God. So I've got, I've got four things, okay, that, that fit within this job description, and they're on the handout there. And number one, the first of the four requirements, if you will, for this job, four requirements of being a minister of God is, one, it requires an advanced degree. Requires an advanced degree, like I said, probably the main problem here, right, is that, that this group of believers was not filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, it says that they had to treat them like infants, right? That, that you know, they're filling them with baby food, all right? They haven't even made it to first grade. And uh, what did we say last week about being filled with the Holy Spirit? If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you must what? Surrender? So this is a great picture of a body of believers that really haven't surrendered their lives to God. They've not surrendered fully to his, his will for their life, his plan for their life. They, they don't have a knowledge base of the depths and the wisdom of God. They're still following what they knew of the world, right? They're still following what they knew of the world. And listen, if you're filling your life with, with the flesh and the junk of this world, Okay, and you're not filling yourself with the Spirit of God, I'm going to tell you, there is absolutely zero way that God can use you the way He intended. It's just not possible. Because let me tell you, it creates all kinds of conflict in your life. All right, if, you're a, if you really are a Christian and you really do believe in God, okay, and you're feeding your life with the flesh, if you're feeding your life with, with, with the ugliness and the sin of this world, okay, it creates such a conflict in your life, okay, that it will ultimately destroy you. He talks a little bit about it in here. Paul does. If you look in verse 16 there, okay, in verse 16, he talks about it. He says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Then he goes on and says that you are God's temple, right? Well, remember that anyone that they talk about there in 16, that also could be you. 
okay? You could be the one destroying God's temple. And if you're doing that, okay, if you really are a believer, if you're sitting here today and you are a believer, but you're not living a, a Holy Spirit-filled life, if you're not, if you don't feel the passion for God, if you're, if, if, if every day you're getting more and more of the world and, and less and less of God, I can just tell you it's a recipe for disaster, okay? You can't serve two masters, the Bible says, right? can't serve two, two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other. You're going to be devoted to one and despise the other, but you cannot serve them both. Okay? So first part of the job, first job requirement is you got to move past this elementary. All right? You got to surrender your life to God. All right? And you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can understand you can have an understanding of the depths of God. That was the really biggest problem. All they had an understanding of was the world. They had no understanding of God. All right, so number two, the second thing, it requires hard work. It requires hard work. Okay, if you're gonna be successful at being a minister of God, being a servant for God, okay, you're gonna have to work at it. If you look there in verses 13 through 15 in the middle of this, Paul uses the word work four times. He says, each one's work will become manifest for the day, that's the judgment day, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer the loss though he himself will be saved. What he's saying there is, listen, you know, you're gonna suffer. You may make it to heaven. You may make it to heaven, but you're gonna get there just barely. You're gonna live a miserable, complicated, broken life on the way, okay? He will be saved, but only as through fire. Listen, it's hard. You know, the, I, I was sitting there and the reason he asked that is because I think he thought I was crazy. Why I would spend eight hours preparing for something. He's like, why do you have to do that? I mean, I could just see it in his, in his eyes. Like, are they paying you for it? He couldn't understand. Like, what in the world would anybody do this for? I mean, I was tired. I had to get up early. I was beat down. I didn't, I mean, honestly, if I had to be honest with you, I didn't want to do it. I guarantee you, I'd rather laid back and went to sleep. You know, it's going to be hard. It requires effort, discipline, commitment, sacrifice. Lots and lots of sacrifice. I mean, it's a good thing sometimes, I think, to slow down and just, and just ask ourselves, you know, do we approach our, our service for God in this manner? I mean, are we really intentional about how we serve God? I mean, just in the course of a week, how much time do we put into everything else and how much time do we put into God? I mean, because it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's not easy, all right? This, this word work that, that he uses here in the Greek is ergon, and it means to labor or to toil. I mean, it's, it's a picture, you know, not of some hobby, not of some pastime, not of kind of something you do when it's just convenient and easy. It's hard work. It's hard work, you know? But Jesus, he told us this really, right? I mean, one of my favorite, I don't really know exactly why, but one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Luke 14, 14 28. And Jesus says, before you begin, count the cost. Before you begin, count the cost. Because it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Number three, the third requirement, 
if you want to be a minister, a servant of God, is you, it requires knowledge of the operating system. And this operating system is not Microsoft, okay? It's grace, okay? The operating system is grace. It's everything you need to do your job is in this operating system, all right? You get everything you need according to verse 10, okay? According to the grace of God. I love that verse. I can't see it, but I love it. I gotta put the glasses on. According to the grace of God. You know what I really love about that verse? Is I love that last little part of it right there where it says, the grace of God given to me. He personalizes it. I mean, think about Paul. Persecuting Christians in the God's economy, basically a criminal. And now church planner, leader, minister. Hard to get a job with a criminal background. He got a, quite a promotion, let me just tell you. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. You know, grace is an interesting thing, isn't it? It's hard to describe. I mean, it's such an unimaginable gift that we get from God. Just his grace. I was, I was just thinking about how, how do you... How do you describe this? I mean, how would you describe it? It's not that easy to describe grace. I mean, if you had to describe it, I was just thinking, you know, when I was a kid, um, I had all kinds of odds and ends jobs, but I, for some reason, one of them is seared in my, my brain is that I had to, I came and I had this guy that lived over in our area and he wanted me to come and, and I thought I was going to help him do some weed eating around his yard. But when I got there, it was like a mountain, like, I mean... 200 feet or so high and it just went as far as you could see and it was like weeds this high and and I get there and he hands me like this sling blade and 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 it's a hundred degrees outside and I'm just I think he's getting, and back then they gave you salt pills instead of water so he's feeding me with salt pills so that I don't die you know and every so often I would come in and I just remember that when I would walk into this little area you know where he had this little trailer that I'd go in there and he had one of those you know wall air conditioning units and I just remember walking over to that wall air conditioning unit and just putting my face against it, you know, and just raising my shirt and just, there is nothing better, right? When you're, I'm sweat pouring off of me, even, even though I had the salt pills. Well, that's the way I think of grace, all right? It's that air conditioner, all right? Grace is exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. It's exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. And let me tell you, you cannot do this job, this minister job, this servant job, without grace. You've got to understand it. You've got to understand the operating system. And the last, my fourth and final job description, what it requires to, to be a, a minister for God, is it requires a willingness to dispense drugs. Willingness to dispense drugs. Now, I'm not talking about the street drugs. I'm talking about medicine for the soul. All right, I was listening one time to Stephen Furtick preach, and Stephen said that, that it's like God is, is the drug manufacturer, and we're the pharmacist, and we're dispensing the drugs, and the drug is love. The drug is love, and we are dispensers, each one of us, ministers of God, we're dispensers of God's love. All right, and, and if you know about God's love, you know that God's love never fails. If you look over, just turn over to, to chapter 13, one of the great scripture in the Bible, right? If, one of, if, you, if you're having a bad day and you just want to remember God loves you and you want something to, to help you get through it, you go to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians and you look at verse 4 and it says what? Love is patient and kind. 
Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. I mean, can you think of anything that our world needs more today than God's love? I mean, if you turn on your television set and if you can't see just by the first few minutes how much this world needs God's love, how much it needs this, right? I mean, think about how much God's word, God's love fits into this world today. Patient, kindness. I mean, do we need any of that? Have you watched any of, uh, if you just watch anything on TV, you know this is true. What about love does not envy or boast? It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. A lot of insisting on their own way going around right now. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So we can never ever forget that the most important part of this job, being a minister, is being a pharmacist. It's being a dispenser of God's love to a really dark and really broken world. I want to play a video. Uh, so this is not only just you get the, the list of all the job descriptions. I'm going to show you an example of someone that um, it was sent to me this week. And I just saw it. And Spencer, I, I had my earplugs on. I was watching it. And I kept just, wow, wow. And Spencer's like, what are you doing? What are you watching? What are you watching? Well, it was this video. And I wanted you to see it. Because I think it's a really good example of a minister of God. Cole is a 17-year-old with a passion for many things. He loves sports. Football has become his passion. Cole was born two weeks overdue. It was a hard delivery. He was taken immediately to the NICU and put in an oxygen tent. So I could tell pretty early on, probably from age nine months, that Cole wasn't developing the way a typical child does. Finally, we did a DNA test on him and we got a phone call. They said, we have a diagnosis and it's called Chromosome 1, P36 deletion syndrome. Other children with this disability range, they never walk, they never talk. Some die of heart failure. So when Cole entered school, Cole's in special education, so he does not get to be in the classroom with the typical children. He gets three electives, and those electives he gets to be with the typical kids. I was worried other kids would not include him. Other kids would make fun of him. I had a pit in my stomach. I just had to pray that he would have a phenomenal day and that others would have his back. Cole once looked at me one time when we were driving down the road and he said, Mommy, I have no friends. Nobody's my friend. And as a mom, that breaks your heart. It, you just want to protect your child with everything you have. Cole's always wanted to play football. Obviously, he couldn't play football. In high school, that had a football team he slowly started integrating himself onto this football team. The coaches noticed that Cole wanted to hang around these boys. So the last game, they invited Cole to dress out. It was a moment that I'll never forget. It was probably the most included I've ever felt my son was. All the football team was there clapping for him, high-fiving him. Cole never asked to go in. He, he, didn't want to go in, he just wanted to be included and be one of the guys. From that point on, 
Cole and the coaches had a good relationship. And we were told that they wanted to put football on Cole's schedule for his sophomore year, which doesn't happen for a child with special needs. So Cole was walking out the door one day for school in his typical red quarter zip. And he looked at me and he said, Mommy, you need to email coach and tell him I need a nameplate. And I said, a nameplate? He said, yeah, I coach. You need to email the coach. And I just thought that was really funny. And I used my Facebook pretty much as a blog about Cole. And I just put that story out there. So a couple weeks go by, we don't think anything of it. And there's one day that my phone started blowing up with texts and my husband's did at work as well. And there were pictures of the nameplate that Cole got that says assistant coach Cole Bryant. And Coach DeWitt found Cole a cubicle and they put his nameplate up and Cole has embraced being a coach. Probably summed up best uh, because, you know, after Cole got involved and, and especially after they made him a coach, you know, put him in bed one night, you know, Cole, Cole says, are you proud of me, Daddy? And what do you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, football is important, but my security is not in football. It's not in wins and losses. Um, my security is in Christ. Life's more than about um, on the field success or, or um, anything like that. It's about the example of Christ, of loving others. And this has been a great reminder that uh, this is why you're here. We never expected the coaches at that level to embrace our son and to include him. We knew that these were men of God that had a servant's heart. They wanted to see our boy included. To me, it's a testament of, of uh, God being inside all of us. It kind of goes beyond, you know, the term love as, as we define it in American society today. It's really, there's something inside you that, that wants to be selfless and help with somebody else, and you see that with Cole. Um, whether it's the coaches or his peers, they're not out for recognition that they're doing anything good. They're just there to help Cole. And I think that's a, just a great testimony. I love it. He says it, it, it goes beyond the, what the term love, how it's defined in the world today. And that's because that kind of love is divine by God. I thought that was just a beautiful story. I, I, I love it when I see... Um, people that are just in their workplace, whatever they do, putting God first, dispensing his love out to those who need it desperately. But, you know, really what Jesus said some 2,000 plus years ago remains true today, that uh, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. There just isn't enough people out there that really truly believe that being a servant of God is the greatest job in the world. Now, it's not easy, right? It's hard, requires surrender, but, but the pay's pretty good, right? It talks about it in here. It says that you get wages, current income, all right? Current blessings. We've been talking a lot about blessings in the church lately. You get current income, and, and one day you get great, great rewards, you know, I don't know, I've done a lot of studying on those rewards and as much studying as I've done on the rewards that are mentioned in the Bible, I still don't really know exactly what it means, exactly what that's going to be. But I know this, it's a lot more than we deserve. 
And I can tell you, I, I've worked hard my whole life. I've had a lot and I've had nothing. I've worked for the world and I've worked for God. But I will tell you, there is nothing, nothing that compares to the labor, the toil, the work that I do for the kingdom. There's just nothing. And I would not trade it for anything in this world because there's just nothing that compares with living a life every single day for God's glory and God's reward. Just cannot compare. I, uh, I was torturing Grace uh, with a song today in the car. Uh, she says she's going to crawl under the table. It's when the roll uh, is called up yonder, right? Old, an old hymn. Uh, it says, it says, let us labor for the maker from dawn till setting sun. Come on. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sing this. I'm telling you. <laughs> let us talk about all of God's glorious loving care. And when all of life is over and our work here on earth is done. And when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. It's a great song, right? There's like 17 versions of it. That, that was the Johnny Cash version, in case, uh, in case you didn't know. But listen, a lot, lot of great words in that song, okay? I, I don't know about you, but I want to be that one that labors for the Lord, that labors for our maker from, from, from dawn to the setting sun, okay? And, I, and, I, and every night when I lay down on my pillow, and that one day when I meet my maker, you know, I don't want to just barely get in. I don't want to get barely get in. I want him to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful service. Now enter the joy of the maker. Amen. I'm telling you, I want it more than anything else in my life. I hope you do too. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for the way you love us. Thank you that you give us an opportunity to partner with you, Lord, to dispense your love to this broken and hurting world. God, I pray that for each and every one of us, you would just fill us with your, your spirit or give us a burning desire, Lord, to go out and on your behalf to serve and to love, Lord, and to share the good news with everybody that we come in contact with. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.